effect for the capital gang. I have in the studio a, a long lost uh, gangster, previous gangster I should say, in a stark yellow long sleeved shirt. That is Dr. Chris Bariomosi. When he was last year, he was still giving injections, but uh, I, I doubt that he's into injections these days. He's into politics. And congratulations on. I, I used to tease him that he's a pathologist. <laughs> Even that one he has done. So, congratulations on winning your parliamentary seat back. Was it tight? Very. Well, it was hot, but it was hot. It was hotter. You were hotter. I was hotter. You know, at the primaries, in, in, I think for the election itself, you you were okay. But the primaries, when we were here, um, uh, we we we'd been told that you'd kind of lost the primaries, and then overnight you had won the primaries. So, well, no, what no, was no, the no. story with that <laughs> one? Because was, uh, we The story was about the church. Yes. Oh uh, no! You see, my opponents concentrated on. Uh, propaganda while I concentrated on mobilizing the people in the world. Mm. It was a very straight win. There was nothing like uh, bending corners. Even that story of the church was just a hoax. But they wanted to tarnish my image and integrity outside. They thought they would impeach my integrity. But I was not in an integrity context. I was looking for the votes on the ground. Mm. Even the other day, someone rang me and said, Oh, they are preparing a story about you on a sex scandal. Say to go ahead. <laughs> so I just had my yayoe contest mm. against me who thought they would just damage me through the media. But I just ignored all those stories. But I had a very clear win. Mm. And for information, I had three elections. I first stood for the vice chairperson in RIM Western Region, mm. which I won. And then the primaries for NRM which were also like general elections, even, even heavier than general elections, and then the general elections mm. themselves. And yeah. then straight wins. Congratulations. I think that only the one for the primaries was difficult. No. The others were rather... Well, the primaries was not. The only yeah. challenge was we had changed from secret ballot to lining up. Mm. And lining up was messed up in a way by having children lining up, even non-NRI members, like in my case, people moved from Kunji to come and vote in the Kanungu to remove a minister uh, yeah, and so forth, all those things. But had, the, had you been in Buganda, you'd have gone. So, because this is what happened in Buganda. <laughs> so and then there was a social media post uh, uh, going around uh, that you promised a bridge and you did not deliver the bridge. Things were so bad and a lot of that campaign, they would have you and the bad bridge and it's a Bariomosi bridge. That was the propaganda. They wrote all sorts of things, but I decided to ignore them. So what is that bridge like now? Why would they choose that one? No, there was nothing, no, nothing like that. Mm. You know, it was just uh, propaganda to put a bridge which has been done by government, mm. and then the opponent claims that is his bridge. Then they put the yeah, bad bridge, funny, funny bad bridge, just they the say community. that is Bariomosi bridge. Yeah, it was just the propaganda which was being. Used. It was even worse. Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook and social mm. media, it was mm. even worse on the local radios. They would paint me as if I am a devil. But the good thing is the voters of Chinchizi used to have been voting me. Yeah. They know me very well. And That's it, why I ignored those social media posts. I couldn't waste my time into engaging yeah. in that. Yeah. And it is not true you are saying bad things about a Catholic priest. No, 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 no. I'm a Catholic myself. Mm. Trained in the seminary. Yeah. So all those were concoctions which 
And, and Chris has been to the Vatican with me. Absolutely, wow. yes, I was with you, Abdul. So we were wondering, you know, you, if you managed to get one named Abdul to the Vatican, <laughs> why, why were you why? in the, contestation the, the, with the Chris? Pop, the Pope touched here. Yeah, yes, my, I was with my, Abdul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they had a team which was just to, meant to tarnish me, just the image. Mm. Especially when I won the NRM vice chairperson in the Western region. I think yeah. I attracted very many enemies. Well, uh, congratulations on that reasons, one. But, uh, mm. but uh, I just ignored yeah. that life moves on. In the studio, uh, listeners, I have uh, Robert Kirenga. He's the executive uh, director, National Coalition of Human Rights Defenders Uganda. You're most welcome to the Capital Gang. This must be the first time we've had you here. That's true. You're most sir. welcome. Mm. Thank you very much. Yes. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, so he he will talk a lot about these kidnaps that are going on. I I didn't see your convoy around, um, uh, Chris. So I thought you 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 you've changed and sent away this convoy and so on. So are you safe now? I've always, I've always been safe. Ah, right. Yes, I have a security protection from government, mm. but sometimes I don't move with it. Mm. Or or as Namfi says, you've hidden it in a corner somewhere. Um, um, he did move with it. I was driving behind him. There yeah. was a, a, a police car, these ones with chairs at the back, which was following Th- his 30 car. policemen ch- following Not him. 30 this time, <laughs> but, but he did have. And they right. uh, following his, his car. So yes, he does have a police convoy that follows him and a lead car. And that's was scared. She thought I want to kidnap her. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I don't care that easily. Okay. So, uh, Abdu, most welcome to gang. Thank you. And uh, start to educate us with this uh, presidential petition. Um, round one, if I was in NUP, I'd say I lost round one. What did they lose with that round one? Uh, uh, first of all, I am, I am cautious. Yes. Uh, and and uh, whatever I'm going to say is measured because I don't want to be guilty of violation of the rule of subjudice. I want to give court uh, the chance to decide without undue influence from uh, public outbursts and comments by people who think they know the law or the facts uh, better. So uh, professionally, we, we, we do we give courts due respect say look okay, let the process come to an end then we can comment about it having said that uh as a way of uh informing the public what happened the petitioners sought to amend their petition uh, to include uh, other grounds uh which they said or they claimed that uh it had come to their notes after filing the petition. The respondents objected to that amendment. Oh, that amendment was supposed to be with the leave of court. With the leave of court means with permission of the court. So they made an application for that permission, which we call leave. Mm. Sorry, just to ask on leave of court. Has it happened before? There's precedent on that? Oh, yes, yes. It, it, it happens. Okay. It happens okay. all the time. The mm. rules provide for it. Mm. Mm. So... Uh, when court sat and considered the application, uh, listening to both sides, the respondents objected. They said, well, uh, the amendments being sought were introducing new grounds, and new grounds meant that they were out of time because 
the timelines have been set by law and even court does not have discretion to extend time which has been set by statute uh, so they were barred by the law to introduce those new amendments the law didn't allow court agreed with them and said that uh, yes introducing them would be uh, bringing new grounds and they were out of time which has already been set by law uh, court also made some uh, comments said but in any case some of those grounds could be urged within the grounds that had already been uh, spelled out in the original petition so that's what really happened is it a setback i don't know uh, I, I i think they can still urge out some of those issues i, I had the opportunity to read uh, the new grounds uh maybe it was for credit purposes but they they can somehow be urged within the main petition so we wait and see. Uh, the court has already set timelines within which each party is supposed to do a particular uh, thing uh, when they are supposed to close their filing of, uh, of affidavits. And you know, this is affidavit-based evidence. Uh, they have set times when, if they wish to cross-examine parties, they have given them the two days within which either the respondents or the petitioners to cross-examine whoever they wish. They have also set the date for submissions. Uh, unlike the previous one, this submission is going to be written. Uh, it's not going to be oral. Mm. Uh, it has both advantages and disadvantages for both parties. Uh, uh, because one, the public is not going to, to see who is a better lawyer, Chris Variomus, presenting smartly his client's case that they will not see. Because they're only given certain means each to, to, to what we call make clarifications on, on their submissions they will have made. So, and they have also set the date for what they are. It is now the practice that the number of days given by the Constitution don't allow them to, to give uh, a detailed judgment. So they first give uh, some decision with the basic reasoning why they have arrived at that decision, but the detailed will come maybe on notice. Mm. And uh, I think they set <coughs> March 8th for the judgment. 18th. 18th. But <coughs> then the detailed will come maybe six months, maybe a year later. Uh, I only request that this time, other than saying it will be on notice, if court can give especially well we will give it after six months on this day or after yeah it helps other than people always wondering when will they give the the, the judgment mm. and so on they can say okay we've given this uh brief judgment but the detail will be given six months later they give the date so that okay. the parties are aware when they did and even the lawyers because you know the supreme court we call it a court of jurisprudence there is a philosophy uh, philosophy of law court you know they are setting standards uh for even future petitions and uh, other so the, the, the public and, and mm. the uh, people who are always <coughs> litigating would like to see the detailed judgment and i hope this time the court will give a particular date when they will give the detailed judgment after they have given their 18th 
uh, much. Yeah. Just a couple of uh, things to point out on your, your submission, so to speak. What do you mean affidavits based? And are you saying we are not going to see any cross-examination? You see, ordinarily a, a case, uh, first of all, affidavit-based evidence is allowed in law. What is it? Uh, you just swear an affidavit uh, on the facts which you think you are going to lie on. It's different, uh, it's as different from uh, what we call all evidence, where you stand and you start narrating your story. However, it gives, the law gives an opportunity to somebody who has sworn an affidavit to be cross-examined on what he has sworn in that affidavit. So that's what is going to happen, and the court has given two days mm -hmm. for the parties to see. Because, because first of all, there are hundreds of witnesses. Mm -hmm. If you are to put all of them on, on the stand to, to give, it will take three years. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> Mm. So that's why, in the wisdom of the the lawmakers, they said no. The court they can proceed with affidavit evidence. So you saw affidavits, uh, two three hundred, and then the other opposite party might pick those who they think are very crucial for purposes of cross cross examination. Not all of them, but mm. those who are crucial. Mm. So that's what will happen. You not have all evidence. That somebody will come up to cartoon to say, Oh, this is happened, blah, 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 yeah, blah, okay. testify for three hours, and then there is a cross examine for one hour. That will not happen. That okay. will not happen. That's what we call affidavit based uh, evidence. So, Nanfi, you're the junior lawyer here, um, based on age and experience. Um, so, if NUP lost that uh, uh, request, uh, lost that leave, did the NRM win in that case? Is it was it a, is it a win for them? No. Why not? It's, it's really one of those things uh, journalists um, statements journalists coin to capture attention and to get attention. Um, NUP get first blow. NUP, you know, but it's 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 nothing. Like Abdul has pointed out. If if I've made an application herself, and uh, a judge has thrown it out. They made an application mm. to, to add certain grounds for their petition. And one of the grounds was that Tibuhabura does not have enough education to be president. And uh, that, is, that, that is the key thing that they were trying to introduce. And um, I think it's a good ground because, I mean, it's one of those key things that if you did not finish your, if you don't have a certain level of education, you cannot be president. So it's, it's, it's unlike other grounds like uh, cheating elections, which are subjective and whose evidence you have to come through, this is more straightforward. And if they can prove that, and I think they thought they could uh, from what Seguna was saying, uh, then it, it would have strengthened their case. So it's, it's a good ground. But like the, the, the Honorable Justice pointed out, this can be included in the other affidavits. Oscar, why are you frowning? No, no, no. I should thank Star Cafe uh, for uh, the breakfast. And at the same time, <laughs> the listeners listening to all these noises, Lydia Wanyoto Mutende has joined us in the studio. She's extracting things out of her bag. Uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to pick a samosa. <laughs> Sorry, Nafi, at some point we shall see an envelope of money coming out. Mm. So let us look forward. Mm. And of course, um, 
Honorable Segona pointed out that because um, Honorable Chagulani was under lock and key right after election, they did not have, he was not able to present some of this information, I'm, I'm, I'm in, to include some of these in, in his petition. So they would like to amend the petition to include them. But like uh, the good justice pointed out, these, this is in, uh, this is, uh, these are grounds that you can incorporate in the affidavits and present, and then they can be uh, ruled upon when the final ruling comes. So for me, I don't think it's anything fatal, but um, we all know it's a petition that was brought <coughs> by parties whose outcome is predetermined, almost. Mm. And uh, bar any miracle, we expect that Tibuhabura will order the judge to declare him president. So journalists and lawyers and everyone involved uh, are those um, the things you shouldn't say abdu well, well, she, she, no 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 it's uh, <laughs> I, I think don't, so don't journalists we, we just need to would want to spice up um, yeah. an otherwise uh, boring would 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 like to spice out and uh, to spice up an otherwise boring event that is this election petition. So what will they do? They will hype up some of these events uh, or non-events, but to me uh, it, it's not a big deal. It's, it doesn't change anything. NUP has a very strong case for election rigging and <clears throat> we will wait for the main suit. It's going to be presented, like Abdur said, uh, it's going to be mainly affidavits and written submissions. And we will see the ruling, which, uh, by any surprises, should be in Tibuhabura's favor. I mean, he who pays the piper. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, Chris, you've uh, listened carefully to the lawyers here. Um, and Nafi qualifies for being a new P lawyer. <laughs> from. <laughs> From her presentation, <laughs> the NUP will lose if the way she's presenting, she's their lawyer. Mm. From the way she's presenting, she, they will lose. <laughs> you see, first of all, me, I thank Mr. Chagrany and the team for opting to go to court so that they can seek justice if uh, he's not satisfied with the outcome of the electoral process. And uh, as NRM, we respect courts. It is not true that the president will in any way try to influence or direct the courts. The courts in Uganda, I invite everybody to believe that they are independent and they will be able to make an independent decision. Uh, I think <coughs> the, the rejection of the application to amend the petition um, I think, in my view, also it's not very fatal because even the grounds which they're trying to introduce, I don't think they were strong grounds that the president himself doesn't have the required education after being a president for 35 years, uh, that he, he shouldn't have offered himself as an incumbent. Really, they were just for propaganda value just really to use, to abuse the president and so forth. But uh, like the judges guided, they can still integrate some of these issues in the main petition and uh, depending on the evidence which they will use, then the judges will make a determination. So for us, 
we are happy that the process is on because it is a constitutional right of every presidential candidate to go to court if he or she is not satisfied with what has come out. But of course, the, the biggest court was the people of Uganda who made a decision. But we shall leave it to court to, to hear what the different sides are presenting. And I'm sure they will evaluate the evidence that will be presented and make a fair judgment. And we are ready with whichever way it goes. If the election is upheld, well and good. If it is nullified, and the court order that we go back to the people, the people who voted are still there, they haven't died. And we are ready as NRM. So we shall respect We shall respect even a kidnapped person they can vote. So so we shall respect the verdict of the Supreme Court and it is not correct to come here on the radio and say the courts will rule this way. How okay. do you know? Or to say Chagrani has a strong case. How do you know? You haven't seen the evidence which is going to table before the court. So let's, let's leave the matter in the hands of the land judges. They will study the evidence which will be presented and also the arguments raised by the NRM presidential president-elect, the president-elect, I don't want to say candidate because he was voted, and the EC and the attorney general, they also put the arguments and then the judges will determine and give us their decision, which we shall respect as a government and as a party. Hmm. And for you, you are hopeful for a strong defense? Oh, definitely. We have assembled the team of competent lawyers, both President Museveni, as a person who is sued, as who was a candidate, the Electoral Commission, the Attorney General, and I'm sure they will do a very good job. Hmm. Very good job yes. Robert Chienga of... Um, National Coalition of Human Rights Defenders in Uganda. Um, <clears throat> who are the winners? Who are the losers in this one? Well, I thought court will pronounce itself and will be able to tell who are the winners and the losers. Mm. However, the process, I think, also towards uh, going to court must have had challenges on one side because uh, with the current trend of events, you don't expect really an equal uh, selected uh, application of the law in Why terms not? of uh, one group alleging that uh, its supporters are being kidnapped, are being harassed. So if one of them was to sign or to swear an affidavit, where do you get that person? So sometimes we have to assess also the general situation, the operating environment. It's not enough to say you are going to court. Prof. Chagurani was voted by over 3 million Ugandans. <laughs> so we all, have to look at the totality. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, we, in our view as human rights defenders, we are looking forward to court pronouncing itself on certain institutions such as the electoral management body, the EC on how to conduct issues in terms of the accreditation process as to whether or not uh, it would allow people to really witness whether we had a free and fair elections. Human rights defenders were denied accreditation in spite of having applied for accreditation three months before the election. Human rights defenders who attempted to monitor and observe elections were subjected to all sorts of intimidation. In Bududa, we had another DC who gave them matching orders. 
and uh, which I think is contrary to the constitution and the laws that uh, govern elections. So I don't think the operating environment was conducive to human rights defenders, and uh, in that case, we we could qualify as losers in this. Mm. The, the, <coughs> will the Chagulani team also make a case that their principal was locked up at his home for a week? Does that matter? Does that in, in terms of leave the law? The, yes. this case? Mm. All they have to do is to show how the effect of that being locked down on the outcome of the election. How did it affect his participation in an election? If his freedom to participate or freedom of expression or freedom of movement was curtailed, of course these rights are not absolute. Your rights can be restricted. But then there are certain conditions under which you can restrict these rights. There is a test that you have to subject these uh, fundamental rights. Mm. But all how his lawyers are going to argue on how this restriction affected his participation in this national election. Mm. So the, the points you raise now, uh, are human rights defenders, are you going to apply for an amicus curie? Are you, I mean, or you, will you lament on radios and that's we can, it? Ours is to talk. Mm. Right now, I'm restricted by Section 44 of the NGO Act, which imposes on me special obligations not to be seen to support any political campaigns or candidates. So the license that is given <laughs> to me by the NGO Bureau <laughs> restricts me from participating. Otherwise, I could be misunderstood. So I wouldn't even not participate as a maker's courier if I want to still have my license operate. Mm. So you not <laughs> the best I can say is to <coughs> analyze and obey from a human rights perspective. That's yeah. what I can do. Mm. Okay. Mm. And make all that necessary noise. Mm. Let's talk for a break and then we shall hear from uh, Lydia who actually participated in an election. The Capital Gang on 91.3 Capital FM. Welcome back. This is the Capital Gang. Uh, our first topic is kind of uh, updates of the elect, uh, presidential petition. But Lydia is in the studio. Um, you're most welcome once again, Lydia. Welcome when to the listeners and yes. to the people of Mbale City who are also listening. I'm, mm. I'm glad to be back on the well, ground. We last had you here after, after you'd, the primaries and uh, you'd, you'd been required to go and uh, uh, vote again in was it 50 areas? No, I was mm. even after the nominations. And after the nominations? Yes, yes. Oh. Then I, I went to participate mm. and campaign as a candidate. Yeah. And uh, also campaigned for my party up to Monday when we had the last residual elections of the councillors. Mm. So it was not just about the 14th oh. of January. Okay. I stayed on to campaign for all the for other... other flag bearers uh, yes. up to the last one this monday on so, the eighth we had elections of the councillors mm. at three and mayors and all those people mm. and we've done we've made our contribution in terms of uh fielding candidates and participating mm. uh directly in the political exercise of our country for and which for i you, am happy for you personally that, uh, yes i was a candidate mm. and uh of the woman member of parliament on rm flag bearer from Bali city uh, my victory was only postponed for a while. We are still at it. Yeah. So you. So uh, no, you can't because they are not yet gazetted. 
Okay. No, but you intend to to go to court. So you've not called the opponent. We are say, still consulting. You've not called and said congratulations. It's not for me. I'm not an independent candidate. I'm a, uh, I'm a candidate of the NRM party. So I don't do things. Oh, as some people are already in court and complaining. They are not waiting for the party. Those who are not <laughs> members of the party can do that. I'm a disciplined member of the NRM mm. and a leader at that. Okay. Mm. Well, I'm not sure what to say. Should should I say wish you luck or no? Say congratulations because for anybody that you got up to participate, you know, mm. I this someone said they make necessary noise, but when you are choosing leaders, it's always good to participate if you can. Mm. And present yourself as a candidate. And, and it's no mean achievement. We've, we've by saying, the way, send good people. Those who are here can yes. testify. So I had congratulations for your participating. You yes. can go and you think you are clean. You live when you was, you wonder whether it was you they are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so for any Ugandan got up, took the step to contest, True. to contribute to the leadership of our country. It's a big achievement. True. Doesn't matter you, you, the outcome you push. You should have seen when we were asking Katun so, to hear so all sorts of. I, I don't know whether my Chris colleagues who, who participated, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe like I do. It's, yeah. it's it's a big big step, and it's a big sacrifice. But it is it is uh, worth every effort. It is a good feeling that you don't just go and lament. You go and participate. Okay. So that you leave it to the people. You have done your part. Yeah. Okay, like you I, you like will I give did. us the updates uh, mm. of of your own candidates but later. But I'm I'm good. Um, but now that leader, you also you are lawyer trained. What's uh, what's your uh, view? What what's your opinion on the ongoing presidential petition? From the general perspective, I think it's always good to 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 have people uh, who are grieved use institutions available to 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 to. to uh, present their grievances to be heard. Uh, all previous petitions, presidential, may not have uh, met the expectations of the petitioner, but we learn something from them. They grow. They grow the judicial system, they grow the jurisprudence. And I want to give an example. Yeah. Now, for this particular case, there's a lot of talk in the media about uh, the petitioner Chagulani and, and uh, one of the respondents who is President Yorika Gutam Seven and the NRM. I remember the NRM party, but there is the, the there is the attorney general who is a respondent, and the electoral commission. Normally, even in the past, look at what happened in 2016. There is a lot that comes out of those judgments that grow institutions, including the one of the, the attorney general's chambers. How would we run the attorney general's chambers and things to correct? If we are following corrective measures like the the justices bring out, would be would have improved electoral processes following what comes out of of these uh, judgments. So I think that uh, the three respondents should be focused on well, in terms of what is going to come out of this, both the Electoral Commission and the Attorney General, because they are all uh, respondents. But there's a lot of focus, of course, politically on the, on the President Yorika Kakutam Seven as a candidate of the NRM, but also uh, the petitioner who is uh, Honorable uh, Chagulani. So for me, I would begin by congratulating Honorable Chagulani Sentamu for having uh, found it uh, prudent to trust the institution of the judiciary to go to court because people have other options. They can choose to throw stones or go to the bush. They can choose, to, but for him, he, he has chosen to go to go to court. Uh, Oscar, this petition has to has to be disposed of within only 45 days. And uh, knowing what Uganda is and what you've been hearing, uh, these guys run in uh, <laughs> elections in over 145 districts um they have to collect evidence they have it, it's 45 days 
is an improvement from past but also i think it, it is uh, yeah it used to be 30 that, that's the story of improving you know they increase the days because of the uh, previous uh, court decisions but uh, 45 days and uh, which will fall i think on the 18th of march uh, i heard people say that which the calendar is already out it's it's a lot of work for them but it, it is good it is good for the country it's also good for the for the petitioners it's also a healing process you know it, it, yeah you went for an election you thought you had won it seems like you did not win you have gone to court over the time you get to understand and you appreciate that it's part of the process so i've read both the petition and uh, the quick responses um I, I think because of time they are yet to really uh, be firm on the particular offenses as alleged and also the illegal practices and the non-compliance the non-compliance has nothing to do with president seven as a candidate it has to do with uh, uh with uh with more of the electoral commission and and that's an institution that we all our eyes <coughs> are on to to build so that when we go before them they yeah. they are good referees and and they are, they they run robert down. was talking about that as well yeah it's, yeah yeah so mm. So there are elements of the non-compliance that is to the one of the respondents of so this petition, but also um, they need to be very firm and clearly come out on issues of alleged electoral uh, illegal practices, which I understand if they may not meet expectations uh, within the law because of the time. They, they just simply don't have enough time to run around. Um, there's a lot of outcry there. It seems like they, they did not, not even have... Uh, <laughs> a third of their declaration forms. That's, that's what I'm hearing in the media. And the, the only document that you can speak to after an election, really, is uh, an authentic uh, declaration form. Without a declaration form, um, you are not good to go. You need declaration forms. Okay. Any candidate needs declaration forms. And it looks like they, they lost on to that for the bigger part of the elections. But if you ask me, I think that uh, what the NUP is doing but through the leadership of Chagulani is the right thing that you, that the right thing for Uganda. Uh, it does not matter the outcome on the 18th of March. It's the right thing to do. They were they put up a good fight. They've won. Um, I don't know in 2001 how many how many reform agenda MPs we got or, or FDC, but I think NUP has pulled. Two zero six, two zero six. You got you had the under forty. Were they under forty? But these guys have pulled off over sixty members of parliament. Parliament is also bigger. They, they are they are good. They best, are good. Best to yes, but analyze but, by but, percentage terms. Mm. Yes, but t for but you yes. to for first time uh, hardly five years in parliament, you you lead you lead a, a campaign, and you are able to deliver over sixty members of parliament. I think mm. it's An something we have to remove the, the, the you, you have to remove the yeah. kofia for him and uh, if I was to, to tell him that's something he should hold very tightly in his armpit and celebrate about and not, no, not many people begin parties but I know sustainability is another story we are talking about now so okay. I'm trying to say yes he's in court but he has something to celebrate sustainability is another story because also other parties are not sleeping yeah. they, w they want to get back their victory and and when when, I, when, I, when i'm talking about other parties i'm talking about my own party we will not sleep to see other 60 people remain 60 you know that almost more than i do okay. so we want to mm. say that for now uh, i think that's the party to compete with uh, and to negotiate power with 
and to bring back uh, the consciousness that NRM lost. Mm, That's on you. the other side. But for court, uh, 45 days. Thank you, Lydia. Mm. Defending uh, a lost uh, election. Uh, it's, it's not Thank an you. easy thing, but it's a, the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Okay, we're going to stop for a break. And after the break, I'm coming to you, Robert uh, Kirenga, about the kidnaps and reports of torture and the new terminology we have called drone. The Capital Gang on 91.3 Capital FM. We'll come back from the break. Uh, this is the Capital Gang. We are moving on on topics for discussion. So, Robert Kirenga, um, two things with the kidnapping stories lately. Um, there is the thread that says it is security agents and mostly kidnapping NUP uh, supporters or alleged NUP supporters and mostly in Buganda. There is that thread. And then there are others that are saying kidnapping all over the country and again, maybe security agents are involved. And then the other thread is that uh, Jaja will speak about this particular issue tonight. Um, tonight. So that's what we have had. True. Olga, uh, Oscar, sorry, that's the same position that I think I hold. Mm. You realize that the kidnaps, the pattern is such that their targets are NOP members. And uh, the most occurrences are here in Central. When it comes to those who have been arrested and released, they've been subjected to degrading human or what you'd call torture. Now, you understand that we have a state which seems to be in control that has instruments of coercion. The police is there. We have CCTV cameras all over. You would wonder who would be that other person whether a private citizen or a non-state actor that would have the courage to go and kidnap people and target that specifically. Because if you hear the, the cries of uh, parents, they, 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 they don't shy away from telling you because he was a noob supporter, he was behind uh, Chagulani's uh, campaigns. He was, came here, they subjected him to some beatings and they took him. So the target group speaks volumes. The methods of operations speaks volumes. The other persons that have drones here are uh, private individuals who drive taxis, especially taxis that ply between Kampala and Masaka. But these are clearly gazetted taxis, unlike those ones which are tinted. Tomorrow they may be has a different number plates. You, you, you can't really track it uh, the way you could. Some may not have number plates. I think uh, Nicolas Opio is on record telling us how he was arrested, the manner in which he was arrested, and the car that took him. So, there is some uh, sense that really the state actors are involved in these uh, kidnaps. Now, of course, uh, a kidnap and arrest are two different things. We have had human rights defenders arrested, inconvenienced for some time, subjected to all sorts of uh, uh, human degrading uh, treatment and then released, especially during the uh, period of prior to elections and actual on election day, especially those who tried to poke their nose into what was happening in different polling uh, 
stations. Now, you are aware that human rights, as I indicated earlier, are not absolute. But there are certain rights which can never be restricted under whatever circumstances. And one of them is torture. That you can never subject a citizen to this kind of treatment. But we continue to see these things happen. That in this age and era, you have people whose nails are being plucked out. I mean, if you can't see any problem with this, what other thing do you want to say? The right to a fair trial is one of those rights that you can never. Freedom from slavery or forced labor and the right to habeas corpus. So these kidnappers, I mean, even if you had to apply for a writ of habeas corpus, you, you're not sure whether to, 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 to send it to the inspector general of police or to send it to the army commander or to send it to the director general of ISO. But that's the situation we are in, and uh, I hope His Excellency will be able to comment about it. But uh, as human rights defenders, uh, we see a deteriorating situation in terms of human rights. But it's not surprising, especially during an electoral period like this, that uh, the human rights situation tends to deteriorate during electoral campaigns. And even uh, we hope that uh, the state will, will be reminded of its uh, tripartite obligations of respecting, protecting, and fulfilling human rights so that people can be able to. But because as human rights defenders, we tend to remind the state that Article 20 of the Constitution clearly imposes us a duty, whether you are a state agent, whether you are organs of government, to protect and promote human rights. Now, we have also section, rather Article 438 that gives us a duty to participate in the governance affairs of our country, and which many state actors, unfortunately, don't know mm. and tend to misinterpret. The understanding of our participation in governance affairs is to provide humanitarian aid in terms of disaster and not to talk about other civil liberties. They, they, just before you come off microphone, you're seated uh, next to Nanfi, and she has looked at you intently with this submission, and she has little faith in the ability yes. of government to do things. But you say you hope the president will speak about these things. What do you want the president to say? Say, stop kidnapping, stop torture, and that it will stop. Well, I suppose as a person, you see, oftentimes people may, uh, mis, uh, may apply these two terms, government and the state. The two are different. From an international law perspective, the state is understood differently. From a political science perspective, the state is one who controls the instruments of coercion. And there's no any other person in this country who controls the instruments of coercion other than the president. Exactly. He's the state. Yeah. So if he issued a directive... To whether he's operative in CMI, whether in the, to the Naguru Inspector General of Police, and say, I do not want to hear Anyone any to case of nothing will happen. But I can also tell you that a Minister of Internal Affairs can issue that statement, it will have no effect. And that tells you what a state is. He uh, who controls the instruments uh, of control. You have made Abdul smile. So, Nanfi. As you can see, I'm nodding. Well, mm. I'm, no, I'm speaking next. Yes. You are speaking. No, he makes a valid point. And um, coming in here, I was speaking to Chris, Honorable Bariomusi here in the waiting area. And he assured me that the government and he as Chris con uh, uh, condemns these uh, actions. And I was telling him, then when you condemn them and you're the government, 
and they are still going on. What does that tell you? And I think he has summarized this succinctly when he says that there is the state and there is government. And government, sometimes in countries, in, in, in dictatorial countries, the, the state is the dictator who gives the orders. And I will quote President Museveni himself, not verbatim, in 1980, when the, he was talking about abductions, and he said he does not believe that people can disappear and the president of the country does not know that they are disappearing or where they're being taken. And I'm paraphrasing that. So he knows that this is happening. There are videos on social media. I think this week I've watched over 20 videos on social media of, of kids being picked up. I will not even say men or women. These are young kids in their early 20s, most of them, when you talk to their parents or uh, their guardians or sisters. And um, they, they, government people watch these things. Ministers watch these things. And they'll tell you, oh, that is not, that is not right. I heard Ofono Pondo on, on TV this week saying that this is something we don't condone. And yet the very next day, there's a new video that has come up in Natete or in Deva where another child has been picked up. And then the ones that are coming out are tortured. They have wounds. They have been beaten. Some of them have even been killed. And when you, when you say that the state does not condone this and yet it continues happening, then it shows that because you see security gets the biggest share of the budget in this country year in year out so i would like to think that they have enough um systems resources. and resources to get to the bottom of who is doing this because if you chris variomosi says that you don't condone this then who in your group or party or government that you're part of condones it's the, we, we are talking about collective responsibility here of anybody in government so when i see anybody in government I tell them you're the kidnapper because if, if you don't speak in your cabinet meetings and sit down and say, hey, around this table, who picked up children the other day in Luero and where did you take them? Because I've seen the videos because people have come to me and said it. And I, 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 I like to remind people that today you are the one picking up someone. Tomorrow you are the one going to be picked up. So at the end of the day, we have to be very careful when we are normalizing certain behavior. And I, again, I, I ask people like Chris who say, oh, but these are the kids who participated in riots and threw stones. So I told him, so if you saw that happening in Germany or the U.S., would you say, oh, but I saw them, you know, um, uh, attacking Capitol Hill, so it's, it, drones are picking them up and throwing them in jail and torturing them, and then they are thrown in ditches somewhere. Is that okay? Would, would it be okay if your child threw stones and that is what happened to them? So we have to be... We, we have to be compassionate. We have to learn responsibility. And I tell people who belong to the NRM or their apologies or their, those so-called people who are neutral, you have to be very careful what you normalize because the next time it's going to be you. And when that happens, who are you going to cry to when everyone has been taken? Mm. You see? So you, you, I, I'm reminded of, I, I don't remember who, who, who made the quote that when they came for the Jews, I kept quiet. When they came for the Protestants, I came quiet. They came for the Catholics, I came quiet. The time they came for me, I had no one to shout to because they had taken everybody who could have shouted for me. Someone called Nisha. Yes. Mm. So, so I, I think we, we, all of us, it's our duty, it's incumbent upon all of us not to condone these actions, not to find excuses for them because we have a country that follows the rule of law. We have laws for criminals or for suspects. You summon them to police. If they refuse to come, go properly in police uniform, introduce yourself, arrest them properly, handcuff them and take them down to the nearest police station. Charge them, give them bond or bail, or give reasons why you're not giving them bond or bail, and then let them be presented in a court of law with your evidence and release them if they are innocent, jail them if they are guilty. That is how it works.
so let's stop normalizing this this vagrancy and this this these uh primitive methods that were used in years before we were even born and you're using them on our on our children who have no clue that such a such a thing can be done okay let's stop for a break after the break we shall have abdu katuntu and then we'll come to the yellow side uh, that includes a minister this morning Capital Gang on 91.3 Capital FM. This is the Capital Gang. Welcome back from the break. Abdu Katuntu. Um, very worrying, very worrying reports of, of, of uh, kidnap and torture in the year 2021. These are things we would have put well behind us. This whole debate or conversation is a sad one. We we should not really be debating this sort of thing, you know. Uh, one of the reasons why the NRA and President Museven in particular came to power was because there was a regime which was perceived to be doing this sort of thing. And you had the entire population, especially in the central region and the western region, rising up against the state uh, because uh, the, the the state at that time had become lawless you, you know there were no rules roadblocks everywhere they would arrest people uh, state research and even the institution which my only father worked for was not an angel itself so when the NRM came to power in 1986, the people from this area coined the phrase Tuebaka Kutulo. Tuebaka Kutulo, it wasn't about sleeping, that they, it meant there is peace. At least there's some rule of law, you can go to bed and knowing you'll wake up in the morning to, to go about your, uh, your day. Now, with this sort of thing, I don't know whether we can even say Tuebaka Kutulo because those people who are being targeted, really can't even sleep in the house. So there is no Twebaka Kutulo, which ha was the catchphrase for the NRM in 1986. But let me speak as a lawyer. What distinguishes the state from a criminal gang is because the state acts within the law. Once you act outside the law, then you lose out, you know, sympathy uh, of, of, of young people, they, they don't look at you as a defender of, of their rights. Because the state is supposed to be actually protecting the people and their property. But once you start acting outside the law, then you cause problems. One, arrests. What does the law say? If you are going to arrest a cartoon to identify yourself. Give him the reason why you are arresting him. That is the law. Take him to a gazetted place where he can have access to legal service, including medical care in case he needs it. But if you come with the... Now I hear, I was asking my, my friends here, what is this drone? Where did it come from? There is a drone which comes, numberless, picks a person, takes him to no, no play, nobody knows which place. And at the end of the day, it is all about social media, newspaper, radios, and so on. And, and people are saying, what is this going on? I, I think it is something which 
should be worrying any right thinking member of society uh, more so uh, the the head of state and the fountain of honor uh, i think it is high time the president addressed the nation uh, about this thing because it has reached an extent it's the conversation everywhere on the streets in bars in lecture theaters talk shows bars are closed everywhere well, when you talk about a bus, does not mean the, the bar you are talking about. Okay. <laughs> Including the legal bars, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, you know, there is another bar which is a court of law. Yeah. Uh, where, <laughs> yeah. So, include, because now people are going to court for risks of habeas corpus and so on, and they are talking about somebody has been kidnapped, they think he's held by this, this patrolages and so on. And then we have a multiplicity of, of, of security agencies. You even don't know which particular agents is affecting this arrest. So, I, I, I think it's high time government cleans up its act. The country n needs a better public relations than it is now. I, I was just uh, listening to, to, to what happened in the European Parliament. They are really debating about our record. For heaven's sake, we, we have reached that level now. Those parliaments were praising us as one of the, 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 the countries that have made strides, the progressive countries we ref, re, reflecting uh, democratic div, uh, governance in, in, this, in this part of the region. And now, instead, the sort of debate going on in the European capital is about our dark side, uh, a side which should have been our history. So, government should come in. This is a matter which I think uh, cabinet should seriously consider uh, you know convening specifically for to debate this purpose and the president should come out and explain to the nation uh, what exactly is going on uh, i i saw the other day my, my brother uh, the honorable general abubeka uh, jj minister for internal affairs trying to explain uh, it was a difficult position for him really yeah he said, well, we can account for those who have been reported to us. The, I think he could account for seven. Yeah, uh, the, 44 missing reported uh, and they could only account for seven. Seven, something like that. And, and Uganda is such a strong state that you cannot kidnap 20, 30 people and it does not have capacity to know who has and who is holding who. Because that shows a weak state. If we can have 40 people arrested and nobody can account for them, including the state, then that is a problem. So it is not even a plus to say we don't know where they are. That is also a big problem. Uh, 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 that's not the President Museveni I knew. You couldn't allow this sort of thing to happen. Yeah? Because by now you say, how can you arrest somebody and you can't account for him? Oh, is there a criminal gang that is arresting people? And let me tell you one thing, Oscar. My biggest fear is that you are going to have non-state actors also doing the same be, be because of social or even economic mm -hmm. guys just hire a car mm -hmm. a van you call it drone mm -hmm. block off the number plates mm -hmm. kidnap a Chris Yomunsi, take him somewhere and they start asking for a ransom so we are going to have this sort of because you know when they take somebody they will say where well, the state has taken him and you you give a benefit of doubt that maybe is with the state Yet he's with a criminal gang. So that. Not so long ago, what you're just saying is what happened with CMI and ISO. 
they started uh, habits where people were disappearing and they would torture them. So at some point, they became the business people in Kampala started paying them to kidnap their enemies and torture them and forge information about them, get them arrested and use state resources to abuse that office. And it's part of the reason why ISO was disbanded recently and CMI uh, got into problems. Because the state lost control of how these people were operating. So you had Simon Odong doing all these things and the state is even denying, his bosses are denying knowledge of this. So business people in town will take advantages of that, these lapses in these systems. So when you start doing things like this, you get into system failures that make people take advantage of state resources okay. to abuse to abuse fellow yeah, citizens. Yeah, that's why you see the president coming in and mm. disbanding. That, that, that's the seven people would know. So well, he has seen there is a problem, he's sorting it out immediately. But should it degenerate beyond what it is now? I think we should all be worried. Even for social purposes. Somebody wants a lady and the lady is then he can't kidnap. You, the you saw, uh, yeah, something like that. So really, I, I think it is a conversation which is, not, uh, which is very sad. Uh, not that the conversation itself is sad, but the topic of discussion mm. is really very sad. We, we, we need to, mm. to act as a country and act immediately. Okay, Chris uh, Bariumusi, Honorable Chris, or should I say, Honorable Minister. Um, Let's and, call and me Chris. You guys love all their titles. All his titles. I should have said that. Indeed. And, and, and he's seated in Ofonopondo's position. Mm. And in terms of Ebitibwa, he's, he's, he's higher, he's well decked. So, Chris, you should be speaking like a minister, as a sick person, as a powerful person in this country. Doctor. Um, doctor, indeed. But well, someone well. says, Ivan on Twitter says, So, Oscar, our fine people should tell us if it's every man for himself. Should we start packing? Can you ever imagine that someone can ask such a question of an NRM government that even attributed their success to Tueva Kotulo, you know, and said that was how peaceful the peace they ushered in? Okay, thank you very much, Oscar. You can just call me Chris. That's, right. that's adequate. Sometimes when you need a strong statement, we must call you minister. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> first of all, this elections and the campaign period was marked by a sense of criminality also especially in Kampala and surrounding areas especially when there was the arrest of Honorable Chagurani I remember on that day I was traveling from Uguru to Kampala reaching Luero I just entered an ocean of stones and my vehicle was pelted. Three huge stones hit the vehicle. I was being followed by Honorable Jim Wesey and his grass was smashed. And we had yeah. to, in Luero, we had to drive through uh, huge fires and blockades on the Tamak Road. And of course we all know what happened yeah, in the I city and, and, and so forth, yes. So there was a sense of criminality. And you recall that earlier on, the government put cameras, installed cameras, CCTV cameras, in and around the Kampala, where footages can be extracted, and you for some people who do all sorts of things. Uh, so I think there is a security operation, like also to nab some of the criminals.
So you could as well say, is it noop members who are being picked or it's noop criminals or criminals? Because you may even not know whether they support noop or not. But NRM has a record. And uh, as a government, as a party, we do not condone or support abduction or kidnap as a method of arresting somebody. Because why should you kidnap Katuntu if you think Katuntu has committed a crime? And uh, you unauthorized the agents like police, you should go present yourself as an officer and uh, arrest him and take him through the due process. That is the position of government. That is what is expected if police or any other security agency is to arrest somebody and based on the information which they have. Uh, it's unfortunate if there are government officers, but just security officers, who are using a method of kidnap because kidnap or abduction is not a method that is supported by government or by the state. So the question is, if the intelligence services, the security services have information that somebody committed a crime or is about to commit a crime, should they arrest him or her? Yes. The answer is yes. Because the state has to continue in operations. If they have information that somebody is a criminal or committed a, crime, a crime or is about to commit a crime, they can arrest him, take him to police, and process the whole arrangement legally, legally. So if there are people who are kidnapping or using numberless vehicles, then they must be doing it as individuals, not officially sanctioned by the state. And that brings concern to all of us because it could be my son, it could be my brother or my sister who is abducted and we should be able to account for whoever we arrest as a government. And definitely, even the president is concerned, and I know he has had engagements with security agencies, and he will later be addressing the nation, and I'm sure he will be much more clear on this. So if there are security officials who are doing what is being described, then they are doing it as individuals, and an investigation has already been sanctioned within the government system to find out these cries why are people crying that they are abductions or kidnaps and who is doing it and whoever is found to be doing it outside the law and definitely kidnap is not part of the law then there will be collective measures within the system including disciplining those errant officers if they are there uh, is there a sense of exaggeration i think yes also because not everything which saturates on social media or even the main media is true and accurate. So I hope the Nazis are also not sitting on their computers and fabricating some of these things to cause a scare in the wider public. But yeah. <laughs> when I say the Nazis, I mean uh, the people who are uncomfortable with the NRM government. Mm. But uh, really as a person, I condemn that kind of method of arresting somebody to kidnap to torture, to abduct. Because we even passed a law in 2012 in Parliament, the anti-torture law. You are not allowed, whether you are who or who, to torture anybody. If you feel I have committed a crime, you can pick me, take me to police, and then the police will follow the due, the due process. Should Ugandans be worried 
going into the future, the answer is no. NRM government stands for peace, stands for security, uh, defense of everybody, and stability. And uh, I'm sure if there were those wrong elements within our security uh, apparatus, they would be silenced. And those who would be found to have flouted the law will definitely face the law themselves. So the assurance I want to give that this is going to be a thing of the past. Those who should be worried are maybe criminals, criminals who will be arrested, but using lawful means. So, and I'm sure the president will clarify that uh, if the kidnaps are being done by security officials, that will have to stop. That will stop. But like what Adabakatutu said, because of the hype that has been given this kidnap thing, people may now, the mischievous Ugandans, may now want to take advantage of this. Somebody hides, the other day I said it on the TV and they were almost killing me. Somebody hides with a woman in a lodge and they said, I've been kidnapped. I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> kidnapped. But of course, they didn't get the context in which I was saying it. Uh, the other day when they were kidnapped in Kampala, I have a young man from my constituency. He ate his fees, he was studying in Ishaka and he died and then he called that he has been kidnapped. And for two weeks they were looking for him until when we got information he was hiding. I helped them to get the police, and the police nabbed him somewhere. So people may also start kidnapping themselves because the big story around the town is that people are being kidnapped. But uh, it's regrettable if it is the government officers who are doing this, but I'm sure it's going to stop. And uh, there should be no cause for alarm because also the way the opposition and the media is presenting it, when you get calls from the countryside, it's as if people here are now living in hiding, that if you move on the streets, streets they will just pick you. But that's not the situation. If I ask Honorable Katun to how many people he knows who have been abducted or kidnapped, probably that he, he knows none. No, but Chris, so if, if we have information that there are 44... No. And the information has been presented by no, the 44. minister. 44 is, is no, very no. many. The minister didn't say 44. No, no, no. Actually, 49. The minister didn't say 44. He said 49. Said those who have been reported missing to police. Mm. That's what it means. It what it Does any missing person mean has been kidnapped? No, but yes. a, a missing person mm. is um, missing. a concern. It's a concern, mm. true. No, but he didn't say... There is a problem. The country faces a problem, and we must sort out this problem. I think that's the yeah. most important thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to credit Jeno uh, JJ because because he didn't lie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Look here. Where should we? we yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe we? uh, yeah. I, I know there are others who do. But he didn't lie. He said, "Look here. This is the situation we have because it came as a, a, a question to the minister. Mm -hmm. Say, yeah. as of now, the people." officially reported as kidnapped at 44 however we are we can account for these because seven, seven because these ones they are within our records and uh, they are being processed okay for having
committed crimes, the one you are talking mm. about. Mm. And, and that was perfect. Back, okay. back to you, Chris. Mm. So, so we are wait, saying don't sanitize the body. That's what's different from what I'm mm. saying. This is what's different from what I'm saying. Definitely, if the report is made, it's police. So someone here somebody. is trying to accuse you that don't speak like police officer in anger. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> on, on Twitter. Mm. No, I'm not in anger. I'm Chris. Yeah. I'm saying if somebody is reported missing, you can miss for various reasons. There's even a law on, on missing persons. And you know, it's from that law? Not quite well, like you know, regime. Then the, the police yeah. has a duty to investigate and find out where these people are. And uh, if the minister says of the people who have been reported missing, we can account for this, and he's still doing a search to know where the others are, I think he was perfectly in order. Mm. But why are they missing Lydia. in the first place? Um, um, like to, to, Tony Kent Chaze on Twitter says, does an arrest warrant still matter? Who is supposed to know about another's arrest? If an arrest is clean, does a numberless car qualify it as a clean arrest? Says, ask all these questions. Um, and in addition, so the minister has spoken. Lydia, are you more comforted? No, my, my, my point is that uh, we should clearly link uh, arrests from kidnaps. And uh, I strongly believe that kidnaps are not uh, um, one of the government mandate or methods of work. And then what should government do? When people have uh, thrown out a lot of, of, of kidnaps, they should do quickly put in, in place uh, spotted areas where these kidnaps are happening because I, I don't think they are happening in, in all parts of the country. They could be heightened areas where they are happening. So let's put a red alert on those areas, put more security uh, support there, and roll out. Um, if you see any suspicious vehicle, now they know that these, these vehicles are drones, they don't have number plates. So let them come out with um, a free call line where you see a, a vehicle without a number plate or with the describe the. the describe the, the what does a drone look like so that the community alert. Uh, uh, the good thing about Uganda is that we have a, a governance structure up to the LOC level. Uh, le, you cannot be picked from nowhere. You must be, be picked from some location. So if they could do map out areas that are prone to, that, that have been known to be uh, areas where they are picking people so that there are alerts out there and the heightened security like night patrols but also the first line of security is the individual it's me and and Bariumus as a person or, or honorable katuntu individually so the moment you see these vehicles um let's let's get wipe out this fear but also secondly they could heighten patrols in those areas but also number two if there is a if these pickups the the kidnaps are done at night if they are done at night, we could have maybe a special season curfew like to, to, to watch. If they are done during the day, let's, let's throw out alerts there. I, I think that's where we should, do, we should focus. But the, if we leave it open, I, I, the feeling I'm getting, the heightened media campaign I'm seeing, is they are trying to say, you know, government is kidnapping people. And for me, I think that uh, uh, government, the mandated institutions of police, and other shooting agents should come out 
map out the areas where there are suspicions of kidnaps are happening it's not in the whole country zero on the suspects alert the public about the the description we are having uh is it uh a drone, a car without number plates. Let let people be so that when you see sa- something like that, you alert the structure of government. That's one. The, like we had last time when they were, we, we had a similar situation problem last year, I think in June, July, and uh, the president went to parliament, listed the issues of CCTV cameras and all that stuff. But so that's one. The second one are the ones which uh, my colleagues are talking about. This the the media plays a very big role. But it should not only stop, I'm just requesting, it should not stop at showing us crying mothers. I think they should also help the country in explaining and bring out what I'm saying. Let them also now interview government institutions to help people have information, be empowered, so that they know how to get rescued or how to get support. Um, what am I saying? I'm trying to say that... Uh, can we see security agencies uh, tie up the notes of this crying mother and the, the, the child that has been kidnapped or the youth or whatever, and then the tracking record? Where was he last seen? Uh, who saw him being disappeared? So that we have a record of these things. To wipe away what Mariamus is saying, for me, even just one person being kidnapped is bad enough. We should not talk about numbers. It is the issue of kidnap, even if it is half a person, if that exists, it's bad. Let's deal with it as something that is a is crime. It should not be allowed to be perpetrated. And then let's link police to media to the community so that we also remove speculation and we also remove excitement. We also remove uh, side-sided loop, loop, loop uh, reporting. So I, I would like to see that happen. And let the media also help the police to map out areas that are hot spots for kidnapping. Okay. Even if it is just, uh, is it Kampala uh, or Wakiso? Let's say that these are the hot spots for kidnaps and we zero it on, on them. I also look forward to what the president is going to say. Okay, if it's Kamocha, let's all zoom into Kamocha. Okay. Uh, Wanainchi, and then the Wanainchi, if you know that this is a problem, is Kamocha, please don't walk alone at midnight. It's for your own safety. The first line of street is you. Because if you are nabbed, then your mother will start crying. They can't track you. Thank you, Lydia. So, so let, let, let's zoom into those areas. You have said And, yes. and head up out. Mm. But finally, I, I, the, pres, the, the presidential address uh, this, uh, this evening about security and these kidnaps is timely. And I hope that uh, uh, we can all tune in and see how we pick it on from there. But okay. the first line of security is you, the individual. Okay. Let's have Robert tell you some things. Um, Robert, you yes. maybe you know Lydia is a powerful person. So she is. Some of our... I remember. Uh, uh, Mary Stewart. <laughs> you remember Mary Stewart? No. That was, uh, yes, that was Mary the Stewart. Women's League. Those, yeah, now this is her current position. Those Mary Stewart things are old. Yes, um, but, but they contributed. They contributed. Yes, but but let me tell you. Let me guide you on what you sure. should be telling sure. uh, Lydia. Tell Lydia about um, the the the, the uh, boxing promoter who passed away, and the president's opinion on that. I was just Yeah, it's a sad story. Tell Lydia about the time of his kidnappings. And I that see, there is I've a been curfew. At it, I know. That's why I'm trying to see how else can we help. You don't seem yeah. to know that there's a curfew. 
but I mean, mm. if there's a curfew, but they're also describing how these people disappear, let's heighten it. So let's zoom into areas that are prone to kidnaps. Oscar, I really appreciate the submission by Honorable Chris Bariomunsi and uh, my sister Lydia. Lydia of Mary Stuart Hall. Mary Sewanyoto of Mary Stuart Hall. <laughs> Are you doing Mary Stuart Hall? Well, I'll tell you later. But uh, what Honorable Chris Bariomunsi and uh, uh, Madame Lydia presents is the real ideal situation. An outsider who comes to this country, coming to assess the human rights situation, and starts with the legal and policy framework, who say, this country is the best right from the constitution and looking at the international human rights instruments that this country has ratified but then when you go to go on the ground you see a different picture my call or my appeal to honorable Yomons is to be bold enough and inform your principal mm -hmm. that the situation is not as good as they may want to portray it and that the image of this country is going south and therefore, something has to be done. <clears throat> when we engage with our fellow human rights defenders who have been subjected to this kind of uh, mainly arrests, they will tell you that there seem to be different power centers within the security agencies. For example, a human rights defender who is arrested and taken to a place like Chireka, the police will be very clear to tell you that they are just there to keep custody. There are other powers that have directed them as as to when they should act on this person. So that is also one of the problems we, we, we find with the, uh, these law enforcement agents, that uh, there they, they, they seem to be uncoordinated movement of uh, troops within the security agencies. Some are not in control of the situation. Look, and yet when you engage with the police, and tell we are dealing with, uh, with orders from above, then they tell you this is an illegality. You should question such whenever someone tells you that... Uh, is an order from above because they tend to say that uh, the, 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 someone is trying to hide something. So if my friend Lydia here would make use of her good offices and her influence and inform uh, the principle that, look, things are not good. By the time we are debated in the European Parliament, there must be something wrong, really. There must be something wrong. Now, here is our biggest worry. Honorable Chris Bariomus takes the same route when he's going to his home. I used to actually Nigeria. The difference between him and he is highly protected, heavily guarded. Now, we have young people, and I guess you see them when you're going. Along Chiwatle, Nigeria 1, Nigeria 2, up to Wate, then Chira. Idle young people who some have their relatives been kidnapped and they are jobless. They have nothing to lose. The day they will cut off that road, as they attempted to do the last time they arrested Honorable uh, Chagulani in Luka District. Anyone who attempted to drive, whether you dress in yellow or blue, it was immaterial at that moment. The anger was on anyone whom they think is a beneficiary of the system. Because once you seem to be driving a good car, you are interpreted as someone who is benefiting from a system that is oppressing them. So it's important that we really address these issues, that we use the due process. If you think young men are the ones blocking the roads and you are able to trace them on the CCTV, well and good, arrest them. No one is against them. And then parade them before the courts of law. But when we see someone whom we told was arrested or was kidnapped and then dumped near his home or dumped near a hospital with his fingers, I mean, you imagine yourself having your fingers plucked out 
the pain that you are being subjected to. So it will be important that we address these issues so that we can have a peaceful atmosphere for everyone to be able to enjoy his or her country. Now, as human rights defenders, oftentimes when we make this noise, we are branded agents, foreign agents. But we don't represent foreign agents. We are talking of things that we are observing, that we are seeing on the ground. And it's our duty as provided for under the Constitution Article Where, where are you getting DGF? Yes, as I, ca oh. as I came here, actually, there's a DGF car packed. Oh, yeah, you are there's the nothing people. to hide about DGF. Mm. There's nothing to hide about DGF. Both state and non-state have been beneficiaries of DGF, including the regulatory body that regulates the work of NGOs. Mm. Now, now that you've mentioned DGF, Oscar, I need to tell you that the most marginalized people in this country, the voiceless, the peasants who cannot afford legal aid, are the greatest beneficiaries of DGF. That old woman whose land is going to be taken away by land grabbers <coughs> and cannot afford it. That widow. Mm. We discussed it last the week. The orphans. We discussed it last week. So we hope that uh, the president will give us hope. Uh, Chris, a lot of Twitter messages here. Some people are sending me to me and I'm saying I'll forward to Chris. Um, but um, they want you to say some nicer, stronger things. Maybe you'll have that in your conclusion. Let's stop for a quick break and we ask Abdul what he is up to in Parliament. He wants seven years. Didn't the court reject? Didn't they throw that out last year? The Capital Gang on 91.3 Capital FM. Uh, welcome back from the break. Uh, just a sample of what I'm sending you, Chris. It says, Dr. Bariomonsi, we are talking about those kidnapped by a drone. Don't drive us away from the topic. Forty people kidnapped themselves. Is that possible? So, Abdul, the parliamentarians are once again proposing another constitutional amendment for uh, uh, one term return term limits and make them seven years. A bit confusing. So are these term limits for MPs as well as the president? And are these term limits recommended for the term that begins in May, though we voted for a term of five years? And are these terms different from what court threw out last year? Uh, you know, we have a very gullible press. <laughs> And, and I feel so sad for this country. Then we are subject to a, a debate which ordinarily is, is out of context and so on. But, but let me give you the facts. These particular bills have been with us before elections. They are not <laughs> bills that have come after elections. And after elections, definitely they have been overtaken by events. Let me go to the uh, the specific one about the term limits. No, not the the the, the seven, the seven year years. Court already decided this matter at the Supreme Court level, so it is purely law. There is no parliament in Uganda that can extend its own term. The reason being that the contract between that parliament and the and the and the uh, the voter, the, the voter at is time. at the time of elections that has been decided so even if this parliament was to pass that bill today 
even the 11th parliament would not be a beneficiary. It would be for 2026. It would be for 2026 because the contract of the next parliament is already done. I really don't know. <laughs> so, but anyway, these ideas. Do you think first that's of all, an idea? Because many bill, of people who would vote the on bill, that one are first out of, of all, the, this bill was a private member's bill. Can I give some that one second information to was not there? To you get it, Abdul. When you talk about the Gulibo Press, you have also to add your colleagues because I saw your colleagues on the stairs of Parliament. They are the ones who are telling the press what you are explaining. Now I was very surprised. Well, the country, the country gets the the leaders it deserves. Yes, leadership is reflective of what the country is. So that debate really is a stale debate. It was there before the elections and so on. However, now that those bills had been overtaken by this, they have to be disposed of anyway, because there were bills in the house. So it's not a debate which I don't want to address myself to it because court has already decided it. It has been overtaken by events. And the debate of, 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 of the seventh term, I, I mean, we debated it over and over again and the public debated this and so on. So really, we cannot continue uh, with a stale debate about Close that down. matter. It's a, it's a closed chapter to me. It's a real closed chapter to me. Uh, term limits... When we did the constitutional amendment bill, we, are, we had actually reinstated the term limits. We had done it. However, they were also thrown out by the courts because the court said we didn't follow the, pro the correct what? procedure. It was just introduced during the plenary. It, it, it never went through... It, it never... Exactly. It never went through the due procedure. You get it. So that debate has also been closed. If it has to be introduced again, it must go through another due process. So uh, I, I don't know what is the, the now this mm. debate about this parliament. Is it at it again and so on? <coughs> that had been dis decided upon. We agreed, but the court threw it out. In fact, one of the judges in the constitutional court. I think it is Justice Chiberian said, much as this introduction is a good one, I must say the process was bad. We cannot close our eyes. We have to throw it out too. Well. Yeah. So it, it was already decided upon. Okay. The, the, it's so good you clarify. Uh, uh, it's good you've so clarified this. It is, you know, some information coming out of Parliament. You may wish to blame uh, Galibo Media. For example, you have uh, a proposal to tax uh, ATM or bank withdrawals, and then you have a minister who says, I have never seen this before. But so. it is not in the Parliament also. Right. It is a but document from mm. the Secretary of the Treasury to the Governor Bank of Uganda. And actually what the minister was raising, Bin Sabahat, was the document you are debating is not here. This was an internal consultation within the government departments. And yet now Parliament was debating as if the proposal is in the House. Mm. And that should also have been clarified. Because, you know, somebody carried the, that letter and threw it on the floor. So this is happening like it is a proposal that has come to the House. So, 
Garibo, Garibo is not about only the press, but even even us. That is what even you can stop there. That's even us. So sometimes you look at it and you feel like, ah, let me just walk out and go and wash my hands. For this, yeah. Yeah, because you see. Uh, you, you cannot now in parliament be debating something that is going on in, in government Which departments yeah. because eventually it if it because the, nobody can tax increase or levy a tax except with authority of parliament, parliament. Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day taxation is a parliamentary function so whatever consultations they do eventually they have to bring it and then you debate it you cannot debate it on the floor yet mm -hmm. Guys, uh, just say, could this be a good tax or not? That's how OTT started, okay. and we ended up being a tax before we finished. Nafi, you're so on I microphone think. officially. Um. <laughs> I think right. I, I, I understand where Abdi is uh, coming from, and his uh, concerns about rumors, rumors that tend to take on a life of their own, and then people who should know better carry them further than they should actually be carrying them. But that said, I think you have to understand where Ugandans are coming from. One day we hear there is OTT. It's a rumor. It's a letter from from the. I think it started as a letter from the president from the president writing uh, to Ministry of Finance asking about the possibility of taxing social media and how these rumor mongers and social media should be curtailed and stopped. And then the next thing we know, it's a law, and uh, Ugandans uh, before uh, before before they could even complain they were paying an extra tax that, you know, parliamentary part. So I think that is where Ugandans come from, um, getting carried that. away with these rumors that should actually be rumors. And I, and, and I think I saw somewhere uh, Mr. Kagwa from Tax Policy um, confirming that it's actually a discussion they were having about taxation of, of, of bank withdrawals. So when no, journalists... Abdul has confirmed that it is an internal discussion. It's an internal discussion. Mm. So, and mm. I, I think it's well within our rights, commentators, to comment about internal discussions because we know they escalate I, I very agree quickly. with you, like, talk show, yes. talk show like this because you yes. influence public policy. Yes. But for it to be now debated in no, parliament, no, that is, that that's is wrong. Not, yeah, that, that is but here, ahead. the public, once it yeah. learns of it, mm. it has to contribute to the debate and shape yes. it. Yes, that's, yeah, because if it's discussed on the parliamentary floor, that's putting the cart before the horse. But uh, for us to discuss it, I think we are well within our right to discuss it. And I think you also make a good point that journalists should be careful the way they, 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 they discuss it because they have certain responsibility. Parliamentarians, too, have certain responsibility. So they, they, they should discuss this in their canteen, not on the floor of parliament. <laughs> but they, they, they need to discuss these things before they become laws because Ugandan, Ugandan rumors escalate quickly into laws. And at that point, there is little we can do. That said, I think it's very, very wrong in the extreme for them to tax uh, with bank withdrawals because those are going to affect, majorly affect certain sectors. And where we are right now with COVID, the election and the economy taking uh, bruises left, right and center, you don't want to bring in a new policy that is going to further exacerbate the situation. Because when you look at it, yes, we need tax. And yes, I think it has come from telecoms complaining that when they when they put their 0.5 percent tax on the withdrawals their transactions got a hit a major hit and they are saying that that is discrimination against their business 
that now that should be across the board, even banks, because when they got a major hit, people started using banks, went back to banks to do major withdrawals. So now they, 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 their complaint is, let's, and you know, telecoms, uh, these telecoms will uh, play a big role in this country. And for most of the time, they are on the side of government. They are always colluding with government to, I won't use a bad word, uh, to, to, to screw Ugandans. That's, that's the word. Short change. Short change Ugandans. Mm. So together with Umeme government, to NRM. And you need to use it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear it. But what I'm saying is when you, when you see the track of these telecoms, they're not in the Ugandans' good books. So uh, their suffering cannot be our problem, again, when they complain. So for them to seek to even punish us further by telling government and pressurizing government to tax bank withdrawals is mm. unfair in the extreme. So if we, and and I know we are suffering because the tax base the tax base with uh, schools closed, uh, teachers are unemployed, payee has taken a hit. We are eroding a huge tax base with the government deci the decisions government is making. But then this cannot be the problem of the no, the, the ordinary okay. Ugandan. This should be laid yeah. at the government's door for mismanaging. So please, no withdrawals on, on on government. Thanks. Otherwise, we'll put the money in our pots and under mm. our beds. Chris. I know this one you you can if you so wish you can discuss it as Chris. Um, <laughs> what are we discussing? As said, the, the, the seven the, years and the time limit. Yes, well, Abdul says throughout the seven years it's not up for discussion, but so we can discuss the uh, the extra tax. And Abdul says that is also just a, a, an internal or something. And Nafi says, well, on such a platform you can really throw it out. No, let me start with the. Uh, constitutional amendments before parliament. Like Abdul said, uh, this is a bill which was introduced by the Honorable Nwagawa Wilfred as the Shadow Attorney General, proposing a number of amendments in the constitution. And I think the timing for some of the proposals is not correct. Like on the issue of the seven year uh, term and so forth. If the debate had come before elections, uh, then maybe they would have been debated. But like now, if I go to parliament, I have been elected to be in the 11th parliament five for five years because that's the contract I have signed with the people of King Kings East. Now, if I go and support the extension of five to seven, unless if we are saying it starts in the 2026. 20, to 31. So that one, uh, some of those proposals are now dead on arrival. But I thought the one of term limits was part of Niwagawa's bill. So there may be a difference between how we handled the, the term limits in the last uh, amendment because it was just introduced on the floor during debate, whereas this one, I think, was part of Honorable Nwagawa's proposals in the bill. So that could be discussed and a decision taken. And there are a number of other amendments which he had proposed, but uh, most of them uh, I think are not tenable. Like saying uh, reducing the size of cabinet, members of cabinet not being members of parliament, and uh, introducing a, a deputy president with executive powers and so forth. I think we shall still debate the report of the committee, but I think most of the proposals may even have collapsed in the committee, 
and will further collapse when they come to the general debate and taking a vote in parliament in parliament my view is that baby government should appoint a constitutional review commission which can comprehensively look at the constitution and maybe cut out wide consultations <coughs> in the country so that Ugandans can propose areas where they feel there should be amendments and uh, yes uh, Chris, the Minister of Constitutional Affairs, uh, Professor Ephraim Kamut, appeared before the Ligan Parliamentary Affairs Committee, mm. where there are other three other constitutional amendment bills yes. uh, being processed, though they also uh, they, they also tabled before uh, the elections. Mm. And uh, he told us that uh, government is still considering the Constitutional Review Commission. Yes, it, it did. Uh, our only problem was this Constitutional Review Commission has been on the table for the last 80 years. There you go. No, the Minister for Justice and Consular Affairs, the former Honorable Watafire, actually submitted the list of 18 names to the President. Uh, not eight years ago, but uh, a few years ago, and I know it's on the table of government. But uh, I was just giving my personal view that instead of bringing these piecemeal amendments, maybe we should do a comprehensive review, which can be done through a committee appointed by government to seek views from Ugandans, and then we can have maybe a look at the constitution uh, in a comprehensive manner than. Okay. Each member of parliament bring a private member's bill, we might be on the constitution. And, uh, he day. also explained, mm. maybe this good information, mm. he, he, the original one of the Tafiro one mm. uh, required around 19 billion, mm. uh, the, the process. And the Minister of Finance had uh, raised a red flag that that money is too high. Right. So Professor Kamon says they have managed to reduce it, and uh, he does hope that maybe sooner or later the, the review commission will be in place. Mm. Mm. Okay. But yes. otherwise, like Gatut was said, the, mm. the seven-year term, I think, that more or less has collapsed, given the ruling of the court. Let me, let me, let me squeeze in um, both Lydia and Robert on this discussion after the final break, and then we'll have uh, Chris maybe speak last yeah. on, squeeze in uh, uh, last on this torture thing and kidnap. The Capital Gang on 91.3 Capital FM. Welcome back from our final break. Lydia, um, what's your position on ATM um, charges? Same as everyone, don't charge anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think coming... <laughs> Coming from uh, a COVID-stricken economy, which also affects people's welfare and, and livelihood, I think we should be very cautious on, on anything that deprives the individuals of any income in their pockets. I, I, we, we should be more creative in um, creating tax bases, but be very mindful and sensitive to anything that affects people because people are really struggling. And that's my take on it. But it's good, it's out there for public uh, conversation. We need taxes, yes, but to tax individuals, I think we need to be less lazy. Let the tax people be more broad thinking, scratch their heads and look for other areas where they can expand the tax base other than looking at individuals, small, small incomes, you withdrawing your money. You're going to find uh, even the banks are struggling. 
if you're going if people are going to say that you, through the bank you are going to charge any withdrawals then you are t telling us to go and now keep our money in the ports and and the, the the bank sector is going to collapse already it's, it's also struggling it was not spared during the covid so i i think we have to be more careful um i've been people even just this thing of children going back to school i i have seen uh, i have seen mm. parents i have seen very many parents you know when they were they had children at school they were struggling when the schools are opening they are struggling it's tough just open you know oscar you are you are into the school sector you know what parents are doing now they would like to bring their children without <laughs> and talking to you can i bring and then i pay a quarter <coughs> and then so you're not talking about withdrawal charges so while we support that government who can run has to run on taxes but we should be more uh innovative and creative in looking for expanding the tax base without necessarily looking at uh tax because how many people even how many people in uganda have back accounts i think it's, we are still so much into the informal sector still people are still keeping their little monies under the under the pillows under the pots so if you are going to it's a very discouraging policy mm -hmm. to charge with the draws they will be you have you are going to have people close their accounts you'll collapse the banking sector and we'll go back to a bigger informal sector and then government i think there'll be more it will be more costly for government mm -hmm. if they charge bank withdrawals than if they look for other ways of uh, expanding the tax base that okay. that's my humble uh, quick okay. response on this robert has you come on now if you want to say a, a sentence. what she has been saying um uh, as a tax policy expert and this is this this was my masters the easiest way to 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 increase your tax is um and your tax base is alleviate poverty so instead of getting um wh what's 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 her name sylvia worry to head operation wealth creation get serious and actually work on the poverty once people have more money in their more income more, more money then they'll pay more tax it's not rocket science so if you squeeze people and they no longer have money and then now you go to tax because most of the money in banks is already taxed because salaries paid to banks are already taxed. Income earned in banks, chances are is already taxed. So if you're taxing it again and again and again, you're taxing the very same people. Instead of doing that, put more money in people's pockets. And how do you do that? Elevate poverty. How do you elevate poverty? By putting policies in place that elevate poverty and being serious about it. Okay. So Robert. if you, if your nuts is working mm. and all these policies you're implementing are working and people are less poor, then you collect more money. It's not rocket science. Teja Asima says. I wouldn't Teja mind. Asima seems to have said that Katuntu says we have a gullible press, gullible parliament, gullible citizenry, <laughs> and a gullible Uganda. Very soon, this government will tax all withdrawers. Go on, Robert. Oscar, I wouldn't mind any tax, even a tax on withdrawals, as long as. I see that tax doing something, not addressing this huge public admin expenditure, having all these number of districts MPs, and MPs and uh, full figure advisors. Let me switch off your mic. That's what I, I would. So, tax is good if it can be used to improve on the welfare of the citizens, but not to be into non-productive sectors and wastage. Mm. And your final comment on my um, final comment. Hold on, let me ask your final comment on what i want chris to finish with um there's a, a a message from a child says oscar asked chris what about numberless police and military trucks that are used clearly the state simply doesn't like to observe the law uh chris is sharing a personal view not government view so since he's now minister he will speak last on that one i would kind of request that honorable chris 
and Madame uh, Lydia Wanyoto have a bold step and have an honest discussion with their principal and tell them the image of their government is not good today. They should address these issues. We have a very good, robust legal regime that deals with human rights. We have the Human Rights Enforcement <coughs> Act of 2019 that holds individuals personally liable for any human rights violations or abuses. Let's make use of this legal regime. Let's not keep on saying we have this and this and then on the ground we have different things. These things are getting out of hand. We have a young population. 60% are below 30. Another 34% are below 18 years. They are going to burn us if we are not careful. Dr. Bayomunsi? Um, nobody, so nobody will burn us. The NRM is in charge. We are secured. Yes, we secure Ugandans. The NRM government will secure Ugandans both during the day and during the night. Yes, the few incidents which are being described as kidnaps are unfortunate and regrettable. And like I said earlier on, they are not the work of government because government does not carry out arrests through kidnaps and abductions. Uh, if there are any security officers who are doing it regularly by kidnapping, those will be brought to book. So nobody should really be worried. There is no crisis per se. Those are incidents which could have happened. And I know the president has his eyes and fingers and everything on it. He has already engaged the security officers. And he, I am sure he will clarify when he addresses the nation tonight. And therefore, Ugandans should not be worried. However, that will not stop arrests of criminals. So criminals should not celebrate that maybe security will stop. No. Security officials will stop. We will still be arrested, but our plea and our prayer and our really position is that any security officer who is arresting anybody for whatever reason should do it professionally. Uh, should not use illegal and irregular means to cause this kind of anxiety and therefore we condemn whoever is doing the kidnaps and even the security vehicles like you're asking should have number plates why should a 99 or a police vehicle have numbers blocked off it should have the numbers so that if it's a 99 which has picked somebody you can identify the vehicle it is up this 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 so that is also wrong and uh, if we find that the police i've seen someone in Tebel road they actually put a newspaper across the number but why should they do that? Because that's a police vehicle. Why would you want to hide? It's not on the police. It's the, the pickups. I'm not. I should ask you. No, no, no. Uh, I'm not sure whether you're saying the truth, but I'm saying it is wrong. If it is done I, by... I fear to take a photograph. <laughs> no, you should <laughs> have. You when, should when have. When you have military guys with big guns and they no, blacked no, 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 out no, no. the number. No, 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 and then no, no. you bring out you your camera. <laughs> because whether it's a military vehicle or a police vehicle or a government car like I drive, it should have its numbers displayed so that if I, I, I need engaged to get in you anything, more understanding, Chris, for if you're advising me to take a photograph of yeah, a military yeah. uh, car with yeah, black numbers. Yeah, because they're saying they drive a vehicle and they hide the numbers. That is wrong. Uh, that pardon? is a criminal in itself. I don't trust you. Sorry. Mm. So that's wrong. So we condemn all those. <laughs> so what I'm saying, what yeah. I'm saying, that we condemn all of those behaviors, even when they are done by our own officers. If it's a government vehicle, security vehicle, police vehicle, it should display its numbers 
all the time, but during the day and during the night, so that you are accountable it's, it's, for whatever you do, yeah. as somebody doing it on behalf of the state. Mm. Therefore, I want to reassure the listeners and Uganda, they should not get worried. This issue will be handled. There could have been errant officers who were like overzealous, but I'm sure the president, his engagement with security, he's going to calm it down. And uh, no, it's not. Okay. Mm. We don't speak for government. I'm now telling you well, as government that we do not condone. He's, he's those speaking areas. as Minister Barrymore. Yes. So whoever well, has done it has done it as an individual, uh, and they will be dealt with accordingly. Well, Chris, I have to tell you, I have hope. I'm a board member of Teach for Uganda, mm. and we are looking for high potential university graduates to join our two-year teaching uh, as a leadership fellowship program. Uh, already we have 60-something, uh, and we need to recruit 100 that will work. Am I eligible to apply? No, no, no. I think, <laughs> we, as we said, young graduates. Young graduates. Uh, that, yes. I graduated wrong and, time. Uh, um, Robert Kirenga, thank you so much for your contribution on your maiden appearance at the Capital Gang. Thank you. Um, and uh, listeners, continue following us on our platforms uh, on Twitter and Cap, uh, Facebook. Oh, well, if you can. And uh, I shall see you next week. <laughs>